Hello. Oh, here we are. Hello. Michael, hello. Thanks for coming. <clears throat> Listen, I don't have a lot of time because I'm number seven uh, online at the Genius Bar. So when they call, I have to go. I guess if, if, uh, to begin, I guess um, for those who haven't seen the documentary, um, it is the story of the Russian adaptation of Everybody Loves Raymond. Adap yes. t TV adaptations, oddly enough, have been... I think people think they're a very new thing. They're actually a very uh, kind of an old thing. Three's Company, which was a big American sitcom, is in fact based on Man About the House, which is a British comedy. It's been kind of been going on for years. What were your, uh, from your perspective, when did you become aware as a producer of the reversioning business, as they call it? Um, and, and, and when was that first conversation had about adapting Raymond for a foreign market? It was about six years ago. By the way, this is a lot like doing a show in an airport terminal. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Hey. <laughs> Don't fall. All right. Uh, I heard about it. The head of Sony uh, called me into his office and told me that they created the sitcom business in Russia, that uh, sitcoms didn't exist until Sony brought the show The Nanny over to Russia. You know, you know that show? Yeah. So it became a giant hit. And it was a... a new version, meaning they took the scripts from the nanny and they translated them into Russian and hired Russian actors and did their own version of the nanny. And it became a monster hit. And so he said, how would you like to go over there and just observe how we work with these people? Because it is not easy. Then come back to America and write a fictional feature film about the creator of a show who goes over there to have his show translated. And I said, well, that sounds good, but if the situation really exists and these people really exist, why not bring a camera crew over and film what would really happen? And he said, oh, I love that idea. Would you be the guy? Do your show over there and we'll film it. I said, okay. I was a little stupid because it was very cold. And it, it was very, it was not uh, easy to do. Why did you decide then to take a documentary crew? Why make, what, why, what, at what point did this become a documentary? Right away, right there. Uh, uh, it took a couple of years to get the rights secured and everything, but that was, the, that was the idea that was formed in that room with the president of Sony, that we would bring a documentary crew over and film what really happens. So you, you, uh, you have the Russian TV markers, I mean, you've seen, obviously seen some Russian sitcoms that were other shows. What do you make of the Russian TV market when you first look at it? What, what, what is Russian comedy? Like, what, what's, what strikes the, you about it? Russian comedy, uh, what they like on television is very broad, very big. So The Nanny is almost like a cartoon, right? And then they, they adapted Married with Children. And that's not reality-based, really. So that's the kind of humor that they like. And so here I come with Everybody Loves Raymond, and we try to keep it real. We try to make it, you know, we had one rule in the writer's room was, could this happen, you know, in real life? Not would it definitely happen that way in real life all the time, but could it happen? Well, when you get to Moscow, they say to you, real life is terrible. Why would we put that on television? And so it took a lot of convincing to get them to trust the truth and, and what was real. Mm. Just to look, at, to look at what you were selling into that market, um, you know, uh, in the documentary we meet your family and I think to, uh, the most striking thing about them is clearly how much they influenced the Raymond family. Yes. Um, and, and I guess as a writer, you know, what makes you a good writer, what makes a, a good writer great, let's say, is their ability to kind of surrender all that truth into the writing, how much did Raymond as a program, before we even contemplate Russia, how much did Raymond as a program benefit from, from having its heart and soul in, based in the absolute truth rather than something that is in that sitcom-y, cartoony, crazy world? 90% of everything you ever saw on that show happened to me or to Ray or to one of the other writers. If you work for me, I would say, go home, get in a fight with your wife, come back in and tell us about it. <laughs> and so after nine years, we had to stop because if you kept doing that, your wives would leave you. And in California, that's half. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Do you think? I mean, do you think? Why does that work? Why does? But why? Why do some sitcomy? Let's call them sitcomy sitcoms. Those fake sitcoms. Why do people? Why do they still work? The, which which works? What, why do why do why do sitcoms that live in that the artificial world? Let's say. Why does that work? What, why why does that still work? Uh, I think for them to work well, they have to be so. The jokes have to be so funny. Uh, a good example of a show that's not really set in the real world but works anyway is 30 Rock. Mm. Do you get 30 Rock here? Do you like it? You do. And even though you're not American and you don't, and, and not even in show business necessarily. You're laughing because the jokes are so funny. These are not people that you can necessarily relate to because they're, they're a little heightened, right? But the, the, they do something so difficult and they do it so well, which is write hilarious dialogue and hilarious situations. It doesn't have to be real because it's so funny, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, but I think that you, you relate to many more people if you do keep it real. So 30 Rock, I love this show, but it's not a gigantic hit in America because people can't really relate to those characters in those situations. It actually has a, a relatively small audience. It's a terrific audience, smart audience, I think, and the show couldn't be better. I think it's hilarious, I really do. But that's just the difference. If you, if you keep things real and genuine, you, you tend to relate to, to many more people. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've arrived in Russia. The Russian, yes. the, let's call it the Russian sitcom market. Yes. If you, if, when we see clips of shows like the Russian version of The Nanny, it, they're very cartoony. It's a very yes. loud, physical slapstick. It's almost like an, a much older form of comedy, if you like, yes. than, than sort of more sophisticated comedies. What's, when, when you're sitting in a room having to defend the Everybody Loves Raymond premise or to try and shoehorn it into that world, what's on your mind? What's on my mind? Oh, I hate having to defend my work. Who likes that? Nobody likes that. I have to, it's almost like you explain a joke. You ever tell a joke and nobody laughs? And then you say, wait, you don't understand. Here's why it's funny. You're dead anyway. You may as well go kill yourself because nobody's going to laugh anymore. That's it. So that, it's, it's as, as frustrating as having to explain why something is funny. Mm -hmm. You can't. Meeting with the Russians, the yes. Russian television executives, uh, wh how did you sell them the idea of the documentary? Wh what did they think they were, they, were, they were coming into, in a sense? The Russians were very good about it. They all signed waivers before we began, and they were fine. They, uh, how many of you saw the movie already? Oh, a few. And how many are coming tonight? Ah, very good. Well, I don't want to give away too much, but they, they actually... You know, I always say it was just like my parents. They didn't know. They were never filmed before. And they wired them up. And big cameras came into their kitchen. And sound guy. And within five minutes, they were fighting as if nobody was there. And so it was with the Russians. I think what happens is when cameras come, you kind of forget that they're filming. You would have to. Otherwise, you'd never be able to see a documentary. Everyone would always just be looking at the... Right? So I think after five minutes you forget. How, was it was it hard to balance the idea that you're you know you I mean to some extent within the framework of this documentary you're exploiting them for comedy the, and the, the humour is in the lost in translation kind of madness of trying to take an American idea yes. to a, to a Russian sensibility and and what does or doesn't happen is it is there is there ever a danger in skirting too close to being mean to them or, or do, do, are you yes. conscious of how yes. gentle or not gentle you can afford to yes, be? Yes, you never want to be mean. You know, in fact, to me, the movie. The joke is on me, mm -hmm. you know? I think the movie is about a guy who thinks he's an expert in something, who goes to a land where nobody cares. So I think I'm the, this, this know-it-all <laughs> who goes there, and they have a very different idea of what they want to do. So mm -hmm. believe me, my, my goal was not to make fun of them at all. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to document what actually happened. Every single thing you see in the movie is real. Nothing was manipulated, nothing was faked. Mm -hmm. It's all real. You have a background as an actor. I did start as an actor, uh, uh, but it was very hard for me to eat. So I became a writer. 
Can I ask you, when the camera's on you, do yeah. you does, does something switch on? Is there, so the, the, no. the Phil that we meet in the documentary, no. is, he, is he the real you or is that's he a me. slightly heightened you? I'm afraid that's me. <laughs> no, that, uh, you ha as, just like with the Russians, I had to forget. Mm. The, way, the way I did it was I, I thought, how will I not be self-conscious and how will I, as the director of the film, how will I be able to really do my job helping the Russians or trying to help them? I brought two cameras. This way, there would be something on them and something on me because I think the movie wants to be about how I react to them and how they react to me, the cultural differences and similarities. So, I uh, brought two cameras and then didn't have to think about the documentary until I got into editing. So this way I could really focus on my job because if I was thinking about the documentary, it'd be very self-conscious. I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, can I ask you, uh, when you one, of the, one of the things we saw in the trailer particularly is um, the question of kidnap and ransom insurance. Did you ever yes. really think yes. you'd be kidnapped? Yes. Wouldn't you? I mean, if somebody says to you, oh, you're going to Moscow, that's great. Just make sure you have kidnap and ransom insurance. Don't you say, well, maybe I'm not going so fast. <laughs> I did. Mm. Well, I mean, it's a real thing that they said to me. It's not fake. So I'll tell you one thing. I, had, I made sure I had a security guard with me. He was my driver, Eldar. And he said, I said to him, Eldar, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you're with me because I feel very safe with you. And he said, Mr. Rosenthal, I have to tell you, Sony did not go for the gun package. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes you a little more nervous again. I guess I wasn't worth the gun pack. <laughs> Clearly not. No. At what point, um, you, so you, you walk into this environment, you sit down, uh, what, what do you feel is at stake here? What are you trying to sell to Russia? Just a show, an idea? It's uh, an idea, know? really. You want them to embrace their own tradition. You know, in Russia is where naturalism was born, in the theater. I studied theater my whole life. And in, in Moscow, is the Moscow Art Theater. This is the ground zero of theater. Chekhov, Stanislavski, keeping it real, was really born here. Except when they do their television programs, that goes out the window, and in comes the nanny and married with children and shows like this. So I was just trying to get them to take a look at their own tradition and try it. Just try it. And you'll see, I, got, I met a lot of resistance. Why do you think that is? What, do, you, do you think they, they, they're set in their ways, or do you think they, they just have a, they, they don't get the American sense of humor? I, I think there, there's a difference between not understanding and not wanting to understand. Mm -hmm. A lot like with your children. What, what if you can, do you find, would you find it easy to define the American sense of humor if you were asked to? No. I can't define the American sense of humor because even in America, there are shows that are very broad and cartoony, and yep. then there are shows that are more realistic. Mm -hmm. So the, it's, it, it varies between individuals, between people. That's one thing that I learned making this, is you can't generalize, you know? If I, if I was to generalize about a certain type of person, I would generalize about executives. The, the, <laughs> the no that you get creatively, no, you can't do that. This is the same in every language. Mm -hmm. Only the drink that you have afterwards changes, depending on where you are. So um, uh, at what point, I mean, as this process begins, at what point do you genuinely fear that it's going to go to hell in a handbasket, that it will all start to unravel around the you? The moment I landed. Yeah? Yes. I was afraid from the moment I set foot on the ground. And then, you know, the fear for my life did go away, but it was replaced by the fear of what they were doing to the television show. Yeah. Can we get some more echo in here? <laughs> you, um, you, you, the, the first episode that they were going to produce for Russia, that changed a couple of times. In, yes. In, in, uh, what, what was going on there? Do you, what, what, where, yes. was, where was the, where was the, well, there was an was argument over goal? what was funny and what wasn't funny and what was a, like we have a, an episode, you get the show here, right? You've seen the show. You know the show about the suitcase? They leave the, well, they said, why is everybody making such a big deal about the suitcase? Why, why are the, why are the parents chiming in? Why is it, why don't they just move the suitcase? I'm like, really? You don't have this? You don't have this? I, I say it in the movie, I said, I, I think this is relatable to people. I don't care if you're an Eskimo. How could you leave that whale blubber by the door? 
right? I don't understand why you wouldn't have this thing. And they would tell me, you know, Raymond isn't a Russian man. He's not, this is not a typical Russian man who, who's, who the, the women, his wife and his mother, they tell him what to do. That's not the Russian man. And I'm like, really? I didn't believe them for a second. I thought this was baloney. I think if Vladimir Putin kills a bear with his own hands and then comes home, Mrs. Putin says, ah, don't you come in here with those muddy shoes and wipe that blood off your hands before you're not messing up my towels. Right? And he says, yes, dear, whatever you say. That's what I think. That's, I, that's, I can't help it. This is what I think relationships are around mm. the world. I think this is universal. How much does, does Ray Romano, or how much did Ray Romano bring to a Raymond? Lot. Oh, and, and, and a in, lot. in that sense, yeah. when you start to make, when you start looking for the Russian Ray, are you starting from scratch? Yes, we're starting from scratch. I know that I can't find Ray because there's one Ray, but we could find somebody who was good in his own way, which is what you have to do. If I was just trying to find somebody to imitate Ray, I think I'd be dead. But we actually found someone that we loved. We then couldn't have him, <laughs> but he was terrific. He actually looked like a young uh, Robert De Niro, didn't mm -hmm. you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was great, just great, uh, in, a, in a very different way. Funny is funny. I think you can't explain it. You laugh or you don't laugh. Mm -hmm. you know, but Ray did bring a lot of his own personality to the show and a lot of great story ideas. He's a writer, too, and a lot of great jokes and dialogue. He's, he was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, if we can go back to the beginning of The American Raymond, how difficult was the casting, before we get to the casting of the Russian version, yeah. how difficult was the casting of the American version? It was very difficult. It's always difficult. You know, I, I can't say I had an easier time in America than I did in Russia. It was hard. The, the network had their own ideas of what the wife should be. They thought the wife should be this beautiful blonde girl. Can you imagine it? Like that, I couldn't. In fact, I quit the show over it. They brought me back. But I was going, this was a very big deal to me, the, the, the casting. It's, it's everything. You know, after you have the writing, the casting has to be perfect, otherwise it doesn't work. So many planets have to line up for any of these things to work, you know, for just to get on the air. It's such a big deal. There's so much competition, and it's very, you know, it's cutthroat out there. So every element has to, you have to be very, very lucky. And you have to keep being lucky over and over again. Mm. Were you surprised then that the Russian, the casting process in Russia was complicated? I was not surprised. It's just always hell in its own way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's its own special hell. Was it odd that the Russians somehow also were looking for a tall blonde woman to play Patty Heaton's character? Do you think there's something hidden in the writing? Here was the, the equivalent was they wanted someone famous. Mm -hmm. Always famous. Famous seems to be the answer to everything. We don't know, and executives will always go for famous or beautiful because they don't know what's funny. Funny is subjective, but famous is not, right? So they make the safe choice with just go with someone if they've heard of them. Whether they're right for the part or not, mm -hmm. they'll go with the famous person who's wrong over the not famous person who's right. This drives a person crazy, if you're me. Can I ask you, how much, how much real power did you have in the, in, in, within the Russian deal? Yes. Did, were, did, you, did you have the ability to veto, or did you have to kind of, were you there to make a contribution, but then to stand idly by while they I was you? told before I went, this is a very big deal that you're coming over. We've never had the creator of a show come over and help us mount the show. And then I got there, and I had no power whatsoever. They could care less that I was there. Which made for the funny movie, I guess. Yeah, of course, but of course. not for uh, my life. It wasn't so fun. Is it? Is it frustrating? Um, in a sense, look. I mean, the great analogy for making a television program is um, is rearing a child. In the sense that you yes. you give birth to a child, you do yes. the best you can in its infancy, but you do have to push it out the door. And yes. then at some point, life takes over, and the child has I to be allowed to fall over. I always say, at some point, you have to let go and let your child go off and disappoint you. <laughs> How, how frustrating is it, I guess, to... This is almost like taking your child to daycare and yes. having the teachers and the other students start kicking us. Yes. How, how, is, is, it, is it hard to be in the room while all that's going on? It's hard to watch. Yes, unless you don't care about your child. But I happen to care. 
I brought a child with me, in fact. That's my son, Ben. He's right there. <laughs> I care about him. I wouldn't leave him in Moscow either. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, uh, the personalities that you meet within the framework of the Russian show, in the documentary, we meet a very intimidating costume designer. We yes. meet a, a sort of a, a very funny but also very intimidating yes. head of comedy. Those, t tell me about those personalities. Well, I, I, here I am at the first production meeting and I, I'm telling them how, what I've told you, that I think it should be a relatable show to your audience, not an American audience. I want it to be relatable to Russians. So try to make everything typical Russian family. And this very impeccably dressed, fancily dressed woman says, I think the show should be used to teach the Russian population about high fashion. And she's the costume designer. So she's going to dress Deborah in beautiful gowns and jewelry. And I said, but she's cleaning the, the house in this scene. And she says, yes, but she's on television. And, and I said, yes, but she doesn't know that she's on television. She thinks she's cleaning. So this was the argument with her. And it was just, you know, part of this, real life is terrible. Why would we put it on TV? They thought it should be better than real life. Mm -hmm. My whole point is it doesn't have to be. You know, and the movie kind of demonstrates that real life is funny enough. This mm. is what really happened when we tried to do the show over there. Mm. Made my point for me. Right? Where, how, I guess, how happy were you when, when the, the Russian Raymond was the pilot was finished. Yes. How happy were you with the result of I that? I was so happy to go home. Yep. And then I was moderately happy with the result, even though they cast somebody that I didn't think was right. You know, but subsequently I've seen the show and that person has gotten better. And, you know, I'll watch the show now and I see it growing. But as I said the other night, I'll watch and suddenly it seems to be going well and a sexy nurse will come into the scene. They just throw it in. I said, well, we never had a nurse. They said, we like nurses. Is it, is it easy to, do you, uh, you know, do you obviously don't have the same relationship with Everybody Loves Kostya or I think no, it, it has a new name I now. I couldn't possibly. Um, as you do with the American show. Yeah. How do you feel, is it, what is it? Is it an illegitimate child? Is it a stepchild? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it a child that's come to you for foster care? What is, what is this child? What is its relationship with you? I guess stepchild is a good, yes. And now I'm, I'm, apparently I'm having more and more stepchildren. Yes. Yes. Israel and Poland, I yes, believe. Yes, I feel like a Randy politician. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess having been through what you've been through, because um, obviously um, uh, earlier this year in April, um, it was announced that um, uh, Israel and Poland are getting They're their versions it. of, of I'm not going. Raymond. There's the question. Uh, would you, would, why wouldn't you go? Because, first of all, I've been to Israel. <laughs> uh, I found it to be a lot like Hebrew school. <laughs> Poland... I feel I've gotten the whole Eastern European thing now. I don't need to go. I will go to places that I want to eat in, which is why I'm in Sydney. <laughs> so the Hawaiian version it's of, beautiful. of Everybody Loves Rain. No, I've had some wonderful <laughs> meals, and I'm happy to take any more recommendations by them. Yeah. I have a few more days. <laughs> Are you, uh, what, what's your take on that? that side of the business, let's say, the size of the television market, yeah. the way in which the, the, the TV studios now almost factoryize these shows and kind of want to, yes. they basically want to start belting out foreign language versions. Uh, you know, there seems to be a shortage of good in every aspect of our lives, mm. you know? And I feel that this is not limited to show business, but people seem to be short-term goal-oriented and it affects our political life, it affects the way we think about the environment, even, and it affects show business. Get it now and screw later is the attitude. So I think that this is, you know, a giant problem in my field as well. If, if we had been thinking about the short term when we put Raymond on the air, 
I don't think it would have gotten on the air because it's not a hip and sexy show that's going to get viewers right away. It had a very slow build as you started to know the characters and started to say, hey, that's like my wife or that's like my brother or those are my parents. You know, that takes a little time, as any meaningful relationship does, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is what's wrong. And it's, it's in the movie business, I think, you know, that somebody told me the other day, an agent said, you're going to have a very hard time selling a film unless you're selling a toy in it, right? These are the movies now. Why go to the movie theater to see two people talking? It costs so much money. It has to be, everything has to be eventized, mm. right? Everything has to be giant 3D and that. I hate it. Maybe I'm very old. Mm -hmm. But I don't, you know, I don't think any movie was ever made better by 3D. I think it's a distraction. Mm -hmm. If it's okay, I'm just going to complain about this for the rest of our time. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, um, John Waldenberg, who's the producer of yes. the documentary, who is over there buying there an IMAX. Um, tell me about that collaboration. What, yes. what does he, because he has a body of work that is in kind of uh, sort of documentary, but also a humanitarian documentary, yes. a lot of quite interesting and diverse things that yes. almost seem quite un-Hollywood. What, what does he bring to the table? What's inside that collaboration? Uh, that's a, uh, uh, he, he came in after we came back from Russia, and he helped me coordinate not just the post-production of the film, but also shepherding it through Sony and into the marketplace. I mean, it actually got released in movie theaters. This is very unusual for a documentary. You know, and he deserves a lot of that credit for shouldering a lot of the responsibility of, of getting it out there. It's a very tough world, and we fought for almost two years to get it out. Mm -hmm. Because most studios don't want to lose money <laughs> on, mm -hmm. on their films. Mm -hmm. And we come out, and we're competing with Fast Five and, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean 4 and everything else in 3D. It's very hard. But we came out in the United States and we, we lasted four weeks in the theater. That's a big deal. And then it'll be on video and uh, hopefully uh, you'll get it here soon. You know, not just at the festival, which is very nice, but maybe we'll have a distribution all through Australia. The fact that you're selling, that it is a documentary about our relationship with television, the fact that that obviously was part of getting it sold as a documentary, as a film documentary, what do you think that says about the power of television as a medium, and, and, as, and as, a, as a human beings, as our relationship with it. The fact that it was sold? Yeah, the, the, the fact that the, I, the, I the think strongest we had, suit. Yeah. Well, we had, you know, obviously, the, we thought, there's an audience, everybody loves Raymond, fans might go see it. Uh, and then fans of real life stories, fans of documentaries, there still are a few. It's just very hard to get the attention of the public when you're competing with budgets of hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising. We didn't have that kind of money. You know, I did publicity, which is not the same as advertising, mm. right? Mm. It's an adjunct, but it can't substitute for it. Mm -hmm. Tell me, um, taking this film um, on the, the festival trail, yes. what, what, what do you find in the conversation when you meet people, when they see it, what, what, what are, they, what, are you surprised by what, what they get out of it? Yes. How do they I'm, respond to I'm you? I'm absolutely delighted. I, it's amazing to come to Sydney and get the response that we got on uh, Saturday night from people. I don't live here, I'm not Australian, and yet it was nice, the love I was getting was so wonderful, and I give it back. I, I, I'm thrilled to be here, I'm thrilled to meet new people in a different country. It, it's uh, marvellous, just marvellous. Who wouldn't like that? Are you surprised, in a way, and I guess in the context of looking at, at the, the, the difficulties you had in getting Russia perhaps to understand it, are you surprised at the universality of, of what the documentary is selling? I can't be surprised. I, because I saw it work mm. a few times now. I saw it work, you know, we're in 140 countries, our version. You know, it was surprising to me when it wasn't working in Russia. That was mm. surprising. Because I do believe that there's a certain universality. And we weren't trying to hit everybody. We were just writing our own very specific experiences. And well, it turns out, how many writers do we have here? Any writers? The more specific you write, the more universal it becomes because all of us deal in specifics, right? So we get letters from Sri Lanka, that's my mother. How is it possible? I was writing my mother. She's not Sri Lankan. 
To get, um, if I can divert for a second, to get some sense of your, your comic palette, what, what if, if I asked you for the, for the, the most influential comedies yes. in, in, your, in your life experience, in your childhood experience, yes. in, 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 any, in those experiences that shape sure. how, how you do what you do? Uh, I, I'm going to mention some names, I guess, right? Uh, Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, uh, Carl Reiner, Sid Caesar, Dick Van Dyke, Cal Burnett, uh, Don Rickles, Johnny Carson, everyone who was funny on TV when I was growing up. Mm. This is what I love. And then going to the movies and people like Walter Matthau, they kill me. I just happen to like funny people. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, um, in, in the sense of, um, of, of the American TV market, um, it's, it seems very easy for you now to get versions of Raymond up in other countries. Yes. How challenging is it to get new comedy onto an American network. Very hard. Very, very hard. But it was hard then. It's even harder now. I don't think I could get Everybody Loves Raymond on the air today. It was almost impossible to get on 15 years ago. And now I think it's almost impossible. The show that does a wonderful job of bringing a modern family to television is Modern Family. They found a way. Mm. But I don't know that they, they... They never think that these are the the meat and potatoes of television. They always see those as the aberration, when really they are the classics that endure. These shows with very low concept, you know what I mean by low concept? Just about a family, not a high concept show. Well, it turns out if you have a low concept and you can service that concept over and over, that's what's going to endure. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised, um, are you surprised that the Russians loved because in the end, everybody loves Raymond. It became a hit in Russia. It is now a hit in Russia. Are yes. you surprised that they loved it? Yes. I'm surprised because I didn't have any faith in the production. Mm -hmm. But they were right and I was wrong. <laughs> That's okay. What does that tell you about what's funny? Maybe I shouldn't give my opinion so often. <laughs> what does that tell you about what's funny? What does it tell me about what's funny? It's, uh, uh, it's subjective, isn't it? You know? I can't tell you what's funny or why. You have to find it funny. I can't. No one, no one can explain it. Again, if you explain it, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Do you find it was, was, was it, was the, was the humor line in the documentary easy to find? Yes. It was quite apparent to me. Yeah. It was apparent while it was happening, actually. When I would go home and think about it, I would write emails to my friends and family telling them just what happened in my day yeah. over there. And very soon I was getting emails back. Ha ha, keep writing to us. It's so hilarious how you're suffering. <laughs> and those emails actually became the structure of the film mm -hmm. because they told the story when I put them all together. Yeah. So I, I think I knew what was funny. Is, is, does that mean that misery is the heart of, of yes. good humor? Yes. Someone's misery? Yes. Mel Brooks said <laughs> the difference between tragedy and comedy tragedy is if I cut my finger. And to me, comedy is if you fall into an open sewer and die, what do I care? Yeah. <laughs> right? Are we talking to the people too? Are we yeah, talking, we are. Answering we are. Qu yeah. um, last question for yeah. me before we open up the floor. Um, yeah. What do you think, what, what, what has Exporting Raymond done for American-Russian cultural relations? Oh, I think everything's fine now. Yep. <laughs> Let's sort yeah. it out. Yeah. Do we have any questions from the floor? Hello. Understand that doing a hit television series consumes your life. You don't have, you don't go golfing at the weekends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Thing I always wondered is what happens when it stops. Oh, what happens when it stops? You suddenly find yourself with a lot of free time, right? And a lot of time with your family, and a lot of time trying to get other work. So a lot of my job now is trying to find another job, right? A lot of time on the phone with my agent. What's going on? I, t I joke about having. Dozens and dozens of projects that are in various stages of nothing's happening. <laughs> but that's what we do. We keep going. I know I'll never have the success I had with Raymond again. Excuse me. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But you keep, you know, since business is so lousy now, like everybody else, I've had to diversify. So I'm working on, I have a couple of screenplays out there that I've written, and I'm working on a Broadway musical and a show for England and even an animated uh, series. So all these things, you just have to keep busy. You know, people say, oh, you hit the jackpot. Why, you, why do you have to work? 
well, what should I do? Lie in bed the rest of my life? I'd like to keep being active and being relevant and being vital. I think all of us feel that way, right? Yeah? Hello. Uh, hi, Phil. Uh, welcome to Sydney. Thank you. Um, I love it. The original Raymond yes. series, yes. why did it end? You could have gone on longer. Why, yes. why do uh, a lot of popular series always seem to you know, end around the 10-year mark? Uh, why don't they go on further? We wanted to get off the stage before somebody says, hey, you should get off the stage. We had run nine seasons. We did 210 episodes. That's a lot. And we were starting to run out of stories and ideas. And I thought, you know, the way you end something is just as important as how you begin. And so maybe we'll have lasting value if we don't let the shows go below a certain level. And that proved correct because we're still on the air. So that's why. Yeah. Yes. Hi. Hi. Congratulations on your film. It was really enjoyable. Thank you. Um, I have a question for you about the central conceit of Raymond, which you said was basically that women are in control in relationships. That's one of There's, the conceits. Right, yeah. one of the conceits. Yeah. What was it like then working with your wife, who was an actress on the yes, show, my where wife, when yes. she's on stage, yes. you're the executive producer. Yes, so my wife you, played... Amy on the show, the brother's wife, and there's actually a very interesting story how she got the part. She slept with the producer. <laughs> I recommend it, by the way. <laughs> but uh, she is actually a wonderful actress and very sweet and very nice on stage. <laughs> and she would always listen to me and take notes of everything I said until we got home. But she was an absolute pleasure to work with. And I would work with her again in a second. Yeah. Just on, on that topic, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I went to the set of Raymond. And I, I have to say, I felt that the female personalities on that set were very strong personalities. Yes. To, to, I guess to kind of to extend on that, um, what about Patty Heaton yes. as a personality? And Doris Roberts yes, as, very as, strong as real life women. But that's what we wanted. It helped the show. You know, but we got along. If you saw the set, mm. we all got along really nicely. It was really like a family behind the scenes as well. And one of the things that really made that happen was we had terrific food backstage. <laughs> Makes everyone happy. <laughs> Do you have any cookies here for the people? <laughs> Hi, Philip. Would you consider maybe doing another exporting Raymond in Brazil or in Africa or in yes. other continents? Yes. <laughs> would it add something to the experience in Russia or would it? They can do it wherever they want. I'm not necessarily going, <laughs> but I'm always happy to help. I can help by computer or telephone. Uh, but if it's a place I really want to go to, why not go? It's fun. Thank you. Brazil sounds nice. Hi. Hello. Um, as an upcoming filmmaker, uh, what advice would you give to someone that's looking to find that good collaborative process? Obviously, you've got a great cast and crew. Like, what advice would you give to someone that's sort of looking to, looking to find that and looking to find that good mentoring relationship in the industry? That's a great question. I guess. You, you first seek out people that you admire, films that you admire and who made them. Maybe they'll meet with you. You know, I always find though that everybody's nice in the meeting. It's only after you start working with them that the devil comes out, sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. So I can't say there's a surefire formula. I think you just have to reach out to the people that you admire and see if they'll want to contact you, right? Or have contact with you. Or you have friends already, friends with similar interests, and you build your own family. Uh, thank you. I saw the documentary the other day. It was fantastic, thank and the audience you. loved it. Thank you. Um, when you visualized the documentary and you first started talking to the producer about it, it's very brave to do a, a documentary that's a comedy, and it's very rare. Thank you. And it's breaking all the, all the usual documentary rules. Yes. Um, and it's been a very successful documentary. Did you realize it would be as funny as what it was when no. you first... No, you, when you make a documentary, you have no idea what you're going to get, unless you cheat, right? And I think we know the documentaries that cheat. I didn't want to cheat, and that's why I brought two cameras, so nothing would be faked. If I brought one camera, like most documentaries, they would film you speaking to me, and then we'd come around behind you, because we only have one camera, to get my fake reaction, right? Not in real time. And then you're cheating. But if two cameras are running, not only does that you know, give you coverage, but you don't have to fake it. And I didn't want to fake anything. 
So that's, uh, I think it's vital. It's vital. Uh, how did I know it would be funny? I really didn't. I knew it would be unusual, but I had no idea it would be that funny. I had no idea my parents even would be that funny, which is why you see me laughing in that first scene with them, because I just turned the camera on, and already they're fighting. It was great. You know, I should pay these people. <laughs> on, on that point, I, I could just start... Oh, um, just to ask one question. Um, how... Um, uh, obviously, part of this process was gently mocking the export and sale of American television formats to other territories. How nervous were Sony, who were the dealmaker, not for this documentary, but the dealmaker for the original Raymond deal? And I guess, how, how nervous were they in the sense that you might, be, you might end up offending yeah. a potential customer in yeah. a very, very competitive it business? It never occurred to them that the Russians might be offended by anything until after the movie was made. Mm -hmm. Then they got very nervous. And then it became a struggle to convince them they had nothing to worry about. And we showed it to some Russians, and they, you know, they laughed harder than anybody. They were wonderful about it. Yeah. Hi. Um, when, when was it that you realized that this was what you wanted to do? And the other part, um, what would you say has been the main difference between being really successful like you have been and other people who try to do the same thing but don't reach that same level of success? I would say success is the difference. I don't know how else to put it, but I've spent life both ways, being very unsuccessful and then being a little successful. I will say, I'm going out on a limb here, success is better. <laughs> right? We all, well, no matter what we do, we try to be good at it. We try to have other people respond to it. We, have, we want to be liked by people, right? We want them to like us. We want our work to be liked and accepted. So, yes, there's a big difference between having people ignore you or to, and embrace you. That's really the difference. It's as simple as that. Yeah, right here up front. Down in front. Um, when Raymond started, Peter Boyle was the most famous person in it. You're right. And then the dynamic shifts. People like Doris Roberts who'd just been there for years and most people hadn't noticed right. become famous. How did that affect the operation? How did it affect the people? How did it affect the writing? You know, they all were wonderful. They all knew how lucky we all were to have a ride like this. Everyone got awards and prizes and money, and they were all happy. And the best part was the food. <laughs> yeah. So, no, it was very nice. There was never fighting or anything like that. It was all lovely. It really was. I, I recommend this job to anybody who can. For a skinny guy, you seem very preoccupied with food. I am, yes. Well, you know, you have to pick your spots, you know? You can't eat like that every day. So you pick a spot, like Sydney is a spot. So I'm eating anything I want while I'm here. Mm -hmm. And then when I go home, I'll be a little better. Can you explain how you actually go about writing uh, an episode of, of the original uh, Raymond series? Yeah, sure. Please? If, if I wasn't really kidding about going home, getting in a fight with your wife, and then coming back in, we didn't eat dinner at the show, ever. Our job was to go home and live real life. And whoever had the terrible thing happen to them at home, either with their wife or their coworker or with their parents or with their kids, we would come in the next day and talk about everything that you all talk about. Who's bothering me? And whoever had the thing, they were gonna be assigned that script. And we would all pitch in on it and help but that was really how it was done. I would say 90% of every story happened to one of us. That's how we did it. What about, I mean, the, with, to talk about the writing of the original Raymond, um, a sit, American sitcom, it's shot across five days in a week. Yes. And you have, you, what you spend, you guys spend months breaking stories in the writer's room. Yes. But then each one is basically shot, rehearsed, rehearsed, like a play, block, shot like a play, and then Just shot like in front a of a studio audience yes, very on the final night. Yes, I couldn't convince the Russians how important the studio audience was, mm. because that costs money. An American version of a, of a television show, a sitcom, one episode costs between a million, two million dollars. And in Russia, everything, pre-production, post-production, all the food, everything, eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. So that, I mean, uh, from, from, the, from the perspective of a sitcom, 
what's the be- what is the benefit of shooting in front of a studio audience? Obviously, you get to tape yeah. live laughter. Yeah. The actors get a real yeah. reaction from yeah. the people watching them. What, what are, they, are, they, are they the strongest That's advantages? That's huge. Don't, don't discount that. That's gigantic that, that, the, that the actors get that reaction from the audience. It affects their timing. It affects the comedy itself. And you feel at home, if it's genuine, that you're at a live event, as if you're in the, at the theater. That's what we were going for. Broadway type of laughs and, and relationships and, and a certain depth that comes from the theater that isn't necessarily dependent on quick cutting. Now we're in the bathroom, now we're in the kitchen, now we're in the airport, now we're in the coffee shop. You know, it's two people talking maybe or everyone just in the living room for the entire show and the content of what they're speaking about and their relationships, that's what's keeping your interest, not the illusion of entertainment, Mm. which is fast cutting and lots of costume and hair changes, right? Was it frustrating in the sense that, I mean, from my perspective, the Russians seem to struggle to get past skin deep. They seem to struggle to get past what was on the surface and they they were consciously trying to replicate what they saw and what they yes. heard, not what they felt or right. what, how, right. how what they saw made them Style feel. Style over substance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but can we say that's just a Russian thing? Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole world. Style over substance. It's, it's always the battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just felt that um, your frustration was palpable in the <laughs> film. And yes. was it worse? Did you know it was that when you were in the moment? Or was it worse when you saw what you had when you were editing? Uh, It always feels bad when you're going through it. And then when you can be somewhat objective watching it, you know, first of all, you have to get over watching yourself in something. And then I had to realize the only way I'm going to get through this is to treat that guy as a character, you know, and disconnect from it. And so I laughed at that guy being frustrated, and I forgot how frustrated I was. That's the only way I could direct it, right? Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, huge fan of the show. I love the show. Thank anyway, you. Um, I wanted to ask, the success of shows like Everybody Was Raymond and Seinfeld and Friends seems like the dynamic between the, like, the brilliant cast. And like, even though they're individually like brilliant actors, but it seems like those shows that are really successful are the ones that find that they're successful, that they're good together. And how did you cast, when you were casting, how did you determine, or did you at all, or was it a fluke, determine that these guys are going to be great together? and not just they're good on their own. It was a fluke. You cast the best people for the role that you can. It was very important who that wife would be. That's why I couldn't just take a beautiful blonde girl because the whole dynamic would change of the show. Uh, It wasn't about a guy that looks like Ray married to a beautiful girl. It was about a guy that looks like Ray whose wife controls the relationship. That was more important and the struggle that Ray was going to have being caught in the middle of the wife and the mother and the brother and the children and the dad, right? He was going to be at the center. So all those people were very important unto themselves and then you have to be lucky that they all play nicely together. Otherwise, you don't have a show, right? So we were lucky. In that sense, is it a bit like trying to recreate a dish using the dish and not the recipe. I mean, is it because you, yeah. you're essentially trying to you're trying to find a group of Russian actors who can recreate a chemistry that was almost a fluke on a fluke in so the first place for America. You can't try to imitate the American. Mm. You have to make it, and this is all I was trying to impart: make it real for you, mm. make it relatable to you. But the whole issue of what is relatable was at stake. Mm. They didn't want it to be relatable. They wanted it to be broad and sketchy because that was their only tradition on television were big, broad, sketchy shows. Mm-hmm. So that was the battle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do a question from the floor? Good. No? Um, uh, tell me, you've been in Australia how long? Since you arrived on Since Saturday, Saturday morning. morning? Yes. What, what assessment have you and made I've seen of the whole thing. so far? <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your first impression? Uh, it's a little wet here. Uh, at this particular time of year, I understand. I have to come back, maybe, for your summer, mm-hmm. uh, which I would gladly do. I enjoyed Qantas Airlines. 
<laughs> I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed the hotel. I enjoyed the people. Very sweet and very friendly. Uh, I've loved the festival. What's not to like? I wish I could just walk around outside a little more. Mm -hmm. That's all. But I have a couple more days now. I'm going to go out in the water, rain or shine. We'll see what happens. Were you, but, were you surprised at all to find that Everybody Loves Raymond was popular in Australia? I heard that it was popular back in America, and so I was excited to come. You want to go where you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I'd been to a couple of places like Russia where I wasn't so welcome. Yeah. So now I'd like to come to Australia. Um, uh, walking away from the documentary experience, that, that was a, it was a positive experience in the end. The actual remake of the show was, was frustrating in lots of ways, but, but do you walk away from this project entirely happy with the outcome? Th thrilled, because look, I have a movie, and now if I want to get into movies, I can say to the people, well, you haven't made a movie yet. Oh, yes, I have, here it is. I can show them the movie. I can even show them me in a movie, if I want to be in a movie, right? Mm -hmm. So there I am. I didn't plan it, but there, there it is. Would you like to make another um, yes. comedy for television? Yes. I'd like to do everything, mm -hmm. you know? And I say to writers, if you're a writer, take a directing class. If you're a director, take an acting class. If you're an actor, take a writing class because you want to look at the problem from all sides and that'll make you better at your chosen field. And who knows? You may find that your chosen field moves over to this new discipline like it did with me. Do you, uh, when you, to kind of to touch on some of the questions that were raised about, you know, uh, in terms of young filmmakers and mentoring filmmakers, when you were a young theatre student, yes. what, you obviously had no ambition to become a writer. No. You wanted to be an actor. Yes. Well, I mean, and obviously there's more money in writing and directing and producing than there sometimes is in acting. Yes, but I had no idea that I had an aptitude for writing mm -hmm. until I tried it. Do you think you're a better writer than you are an actor? I know I am. <laughs> yeah. I think the proof is in, in the pudding, isn't it? Yeah. Do you ever wonder what your life, your career might have been had you not elected to go into writing? Yes, I would still probably live in my grandmother's <laughs> apartment. Very frustrating. A little. <laughs> Acting is tough. You know, anyone can say they're an actor, and many people do. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Um, how, how do you see the art of comedy writing evolving in the next five to ten years? Where do I see comedy evolving in the next... I think it's devolving. I think it's becoming more and more, uh, uh, at least in terms of commercial comedies, it's getting a little grosser, you know? I think we've all seen the movie recently where people are throwing up on each other's heads. I can't write that. I wouldn't want to write that. I barely want to see that. But it seems to be now the trick is to outgross the last, and by gross I mean gross, the last movie. Uh, it's not what makes me laugh personally, but it sure makes a lot of people laugh. So who am I to say? Right? But that's, that's final, the business. Final, yes. final question for yes. the day. Um, uh, the old cast of Raymond and the new cast of Raymond, when this documentary was, or when this story came back to America, what, what did Ray Romano, what did the, the original Barone family make of the Russian Barone family? Ray laughed harder than anybody at this movie <laughs> because I was suffering. Right. Yeah, so they were delighted with the movie because they know me for many years and to see me uh, dissed this brought them great joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were they perplexed by their Russian alter yes, ego? Yes, they were perplexed, but they also they found the humor in it. I, I think they, they really enjoyed it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. I love being here. Thank you so Pleasure. much for coming. Appreciate it.